So in this crucial moment, I thought to myself, I have a choice of one or two things. I can make an excuse and ask him if we could reschedule, or I could really be vulnerable to him right now and tell him what's going on. And I looked at his face and his smiling, and I thought, all right, I'm going to trust him. And so I said to myself, I'm just going to tell him what exactly I'm feeling right now. So I said, okay, I don't know what that is out there, but I feel like I could stay there forever, like all day, forever. I could just stay out there. And then he just smiled even more and even chuckled, and he just said, welcome home. Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for the I Am Here campaign. And I'm Father Mario Amore, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and today we welcome Bethany Cabrera to share her story. Welcome to the, the podcast, Bethany. Thank you for having me. We're so glad that you're here. Um, can you let us know, where, where do you go to church? What's your home parish? We go to Guardian Angels Catholic Church in Clawson, Michigan. That is not my first church, um, but that is where we go now because our children go to school there. All of them have graduated from there, and now I just have we just have one daughter still at Guardian Angels, but we just continue to go to church there. And um, we had another parish when we first got married. We were going to St. Cyril and Methodius okay. in Sterling Heights and um, got involved there, but we moved to Guardian Angels once our children started going to school there. So, Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, about your family? Uh, do you work outside the home? or I, I get to work in home. <laughs> I was blessed with an amazing job. Uh, last spring, I was hired to work for Camp Sancta Maria, and I'm the administrative assistant to John David Kuhar. Excellent. I and, spent a great summer there. Oh, you did? As a counselor. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's everybody has wonderful stories, and there's generations of people that have gone there, camped there, counseled there, and then they, their children go. So oh. it's, it's a blessing to get to work there. So um, we have four children. Uh, Mike and I, my husband, is here. So great. Wonderful. Well, we are so glad that you're here. So honored that you would share your story with us for the I Am Here campaign. And I want to kind of go back to what you had shared initially um, about your faith growing up and your teen years in particular. Um, what was faith like for you at that point in time um, as you were going through that, you know, kind of difficult time as a teenager? So I had been baptized and raised in a very active Lutheran church. We were Missouri Synod Lutheran, and my family, <clears throat> our, all of our activities uh, centered around the church and the school. And so my faith was pretty strong. My, my parents, uh, you know, encouraged our faith and our activity in the church. I went to um, grade school and high school, uh, all, all Lutheran, um, and so my faith was reinforced by all of our activities. Um, in my senior year of high school, though, my father passed away, and it was kind of uh, a little bit unexpected, so it was about halfway through my senior year, so those were pretty rough times. I I didn't understand why my dad had to die, and at a, especially a time when I needed him the most. Um, 
you know, I was about to start college and I would be the first person in my family to go to a university and it was like a big dream of ours. And so I had a crisis of faith. I was angry with God, angry that I had done all the right things and that for whatever reason, my dad had to die. And so I felt very alone and mm-hmm. I I ended up walking away from my church and not wanting to go back. And but then I didn't really search for another church. I, I just was kind of lost and drifting. But I will tell you that every single Sunday I missed that church. I missed going and worshiping and studying and the Bible. And I just didn't quite find a place to fit. So that, that's what those years were like. It was, it was tough. And um, there was a person who came into your life who, you know, kind of invited you into a uh, return to your faith in a certain sense. Can you tell us about your husband and, and that relationship? Yes. I, I met my husband in my early 20s. Um, we started dating, and he was very Catholic, and um, I really missed going to church. So at some point or other, we decided um, that I would just start going to church with him. So he, he regularly went to church, so I just started going with him and his family. And um, it felt good, felt good to be back in that community. But, you know, my childhood had brought me up to not like the Catholic Church. <laughs> you know, Missouri Synod Lutherans are, we don't have a positive view of the Catholic Church. So it was a sort of a struggle for me. I, I wanted that community. I wanted to hear the Word of God. But I also kind of disliked being there because I, I just was taught that you know not to like catholics <laughs> and um but everybody was so nice to me you know and, and the word of god was was wonderful and i remember thinking yep that's pretty much what i remember and uh so so we did that for a few years and um and then he asked me to marry him and uh at that point i thought well what would my dad tell me to do and I, I just remember thinking there's only one answer. The, the only right thing to do is if you're going to marry this man, have a family, you, you have to become Catholic. I mean, I could have chosen to just have a Catholic wedding and made that promise, but I thought, no, I'm pretty much an all or nothing <laughs> kind of person. So I, I thought I better just do this. And um, I agreed to become Catholic, but I remember boldly telling everyone that I did not agree to be happy about it. So I was like, oh, I'll do this because it's the right thing to do, but I'm not going to be happy about it. So, <laughs> Other than those kind of, um, we'll say, preconceived notions of, of the Catholic Church, what, what, was your, um, but what was your experience like with, within the community and, and going to Mass interiorly? So there, there was um, kind of this, this struggle within you to... Um, to kind of bracket off perhaps what what you had been taught but then um what actually was the experience like for you it was a, an experience of fellowship of of hearing the word of god i i don't know if you if you know who father bill promesso is mm-hmm. but he is an exceptional um preacher and uh many many sundays i was I was contemplating his words and there was just one in particular where I was uncomfortable and but I was listening to his uh, homily and he said something at the end that struck me he said 
let us all keep in mind and pray for the day when all Christians worship together as one in Christ, which is what he came here to do. And that struck me really hard. I remember sitting there for a while thinking, Catholics don't hate me. (laughs) Catholics don't hate Protestants. And that was sort of a point in my life where the barriers were dissolving. And I didn't realize it, but just those words from Father really started to sink into me that what a concept that we all would worship together, which is what Christ intended. So those were my experiences. And I think my heart maybe began to melt a little bit at that point. (laughs) So, so that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to tell them I'll I'll become Catholic. I'll do this. Mm -hmm. So, so that is the beauty of Christ, his own prayer that we all be one. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the prayer of the church. Um, so you took the next step to become Catholic again, perhaps, you know, not being happy about it, <laughs> but uh, uh, we can see even in that the Holy Spirit working in your life um, mm-hmm. and moving through your relationship. Um, so, so what was your experience in the RCIA and in, in getting to learn more about the Catholic faith? <laughs> I, um, I, I want to say that I hated every minute of it, but um, that's that's pretty strong. I From the moment I told Father and Mike that I said, okay, I'm, let's do this. I'll become Catholic. They were so excited, and I was really, like, you know, irritated. And so then when he, one step after another, he said, okay, so I've called the church that you, that's right by your house. I spoke spoken to the nun who's in charge. You've already got a meeting. I've scheduled a meeting and you're going to meet with her. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And, you know, I was like, so you can't just do some things, say some prayers. And (laughs) I said, you know, I'm already baptized. And he was like, oh, no, 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 it's it's a whole process. (laughs) And I was just getting more and more irritated. And I just said, just tell me what time to show up. And (laughs) so I just showed up and um, and just week after week, I would just show up. I would show up maybe a few minutes late you know, for the, the class. And one kind of snotty person said to me, do you know, you didn't go to mass, did you? And I said, no, I didn't. And she was like, you're supposed to go to mass and then join us for class. And I was like, oh, well, nobody told me. So then I got called into the priest's office and, <laughs> you know, like, just like being a kid again. Uh, so, you know, you're supposed to join us for mass. And I was like, all right, what time? What time? So I, I walked out. I said, fine, I'll be there. I started going to Mass. and um, But I would go to Mass. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Everybody else was socializing, having coffee and bagels. Right. And I was like, no, I'm just going to. I'll wait in my car. So I would go in and sit with my back to the teacher, um, the priest. And I didn't talk to anybody. I would get up immediately when it was over. And after a while, I guess they were getting irritated with me doing that. So I got called into the priest's office again, and he said, you know, we want you to take this decision to become Catholic seriously. And I started to get up, and I said, oh, yeah, I've I've taken it seriously. I've already made that decision. So we're done here. And he was just like, well, let me talk to you about this. This is a difficult process. And he started going on and on about how we'd like to see a little more participation from you. We'd like to see that you choose a sponsor um and I was just like are you kicking me out of RCIA because I got the feeling that he was saying you know oh you could wait till next year and start over and I was like 
you're kicking me out of RCIA. And he was like, well, we, and I said, listen, I got really upset because at this point, I knew, I know now what was going on, but back then I didn't realize what the struggle was, what the, what the battle within me was. And I was telling him, do you know how hard it is for me to just show up here every Sunday? I said, do you know that I get in my car? I sit in my car, then I get out of my car and I go back in the house. Then I go back into the car and then I get, and then I, I drive and then I turn around and I drive home. I said, do you know how hard it is for me to get here? And I said, but guess what? I show up here every Sunday. And if you don't like the fact that I'm not making friends with people and I don't sit up in the front where all the other RCIA people sit, then that's just too bad. I, this is the this is what I can do. This is the best that I have. And if that's not good enough for you, then I don't know what to say. You know, are you kicking me out? And he was like, well, no, no, we don't. He started saying, do you know that there's people that pray for you every day by name, Bethany? And I said, I didn't ask any of you to pray for me. I didn't ask any of you to be my friend. We don't have to be friends. Can we just get this done? And then you'll never have to see me in my bad attitude ever again. (laughs) And I got really mad and I stormed out of the office and I was just like, just a whirl of emotions. And um, a couple of days went by and I started to feel really bad Mm -hmm. that I had yelled that my attitude was bad and that they noticed (laughs) and um I started thinking like you know I really should I could change a few things I could try to be a little more friendly I could sit up front if they want me to sit up front I can join the people and um I thought I better call and apologize to father so I called the number and we kept playing phone tag and um finally he left me a message saying why don't you just meet me after mass on Tuesday and it was like an eight o'clock mass or something and I remember thinking who goes to mass on Tuesday (laughs) like Tuesday morning I was like okay I'll do that I just want to know a bit more about uh kind of like the frustration you had in that conversation um with that priest can you talk a little bit about where that frustration was coming from or what was so upsetting to you about being asked to kind of dive deeper um what what was so so challenging about that it was a kind of it was a bad attitude I I I remember yelling at him and saying oh yeah guess what I'm the only one that does the homework you know everybody he would ask every Sunday who did the homework I was the only one that would raise my hand you know with my back to him (laughs) but things like that irritated me like why are these Catholics acting like I'm going to grow and learn more in my faith when I already felt like my faith was complete. So there was there was that feeling like, oh, you want me to participate and you want me to make friends with people and chat and tell you about my life experiences when I just want this done and over with in name, you know, in name only so mm-hmm. I can get married and move on with my life. I I was really resisting any kind of spiritual growth. We see in the, the just the priests um, outreach to you, and so you felt like, uh, and in, in a sense, you were you were being called into the principal's office, uh, father's office, um, to what felt like being reprimanded. Um, yes. <laughs> and uh, but what we see in that, you know, we're we're called father, 
um, for, for more than one reason. You know, it's not just uh, the two letters or the few letters that are put in front of our first name. Um, but to, to be real, real fathers to, to, to the people, to our flock. And um, in that, we can, we can see that that's precisely what, what Father was doing. He was loving you in a way to say that we want this to be more for you. We, we, we want it to be more than, you know, just kind of going through the motions um, and uh, just kind of getting it done. And those are, those are hard conversations that we have to have with mm-hmm. people sometimes um, because many people are, are in your same boat. You know, they have this desire to become Catholic, praise God, and then they hear that there's um, some months or sometimes even a, a couple years of preparation, and they're like, what? what? Um, but, but in that, we see that we, we want this to be such a moment of freedom to enter into the church and say, I, I believe this. And mm. it doesn't mean that I, that I don't struggle with, with some of the things and some parts of it, but I believe it and, and, I, and I love this church and, and I've learned about it. So in that, in all of that, he was desiring you to deepen your relationship, not only with the church, but, but with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he, he was a brave man to do that. Sometimes it's, you know, we're human and to, we shy away from those difficult conversations sometimes. And, and we see how, how that, or few difficult conversations did just that, led you into a greater relationship with the church and a deeper relationship with Jesus. Oh, yes. To know that it's interesting that my first reaction to that kindness, to that generosity, that patience was anger. I learned later on in life that anger is the first response to truth. And all I wanted was to be a part of a community again. And that's what he was offering me. But I just resisted at first. So so it was uh, I owe a great debt to him. And, you know, we are still friends to this day because of of that reaching out to me so yeah yeah so what happened next after that difficult conversation so so when he asked me to he left a message just meet me after mass you know on a tuesday um he had carefully calculated this i didn't realize it at the time and i'll i'll explain later but i went about like maybe a half hour, I thought mass would be over. So I went and I sat in the very back of the church and I thought, oh, they're still receiving communion. So I'm I'm almost to the end. And I just watched everybody receive communion. But then the music continued. And um, Father had exited the front of the church into a side room and the music was still playing. So I thought nobody was leaving. And then he came back out with a different robe on and something in his hands, and he set it on the altar. And then I watched this unfold where he knelt all the way to the floor, and he opened up the gold box, and then he put something. But every time he was just kneeling all the way to the floor, and then the music was building, and then there was this incense. But he put something in the thing on the altar, and I just felt frozen at that moment when my eyes looked at the thing on the altar I was just frozen in time and I could not look away I don't remember anything else that happened I was just staring at this thing on the altar and I was all the way in the back of this very large church the very back row just staring captivated 
and um, I realized that I was crying. And um, I was, I, ever since my father had died when I was a teenager, I vowed not to cry in front of people because everywhere I went, especially in high school, I felt like everyone was waiting for me to cry mm-hmm. in front of them. And so I just turned my heart to like never cry in front of people. And there I was just sobbing. And um, I don't know how much time went by, but I felt father tap my shoulder. And I looked over at him and he was like, we can go talk now. And then he saw that I was really upset and he was like, take, take your time. And he just went immediately and knelt on, on a uh, kneeler right next to me and just started praying. And I sat there thinking like, oh, right, I'm, I'm crying and we're supposed to talk and we're supposed to have a meeting. And I couldn't, I just kept wanting to look at the altar and um, I realized that he was waiting for me and I thought well I better pull myself together and you know and so I wiped my face and I stood up I said okay okay I'm ready and I was really lost I followed him he's like okay follow me I I followed him into the office and he's like have a seat and uh, he seemed so cheerful and happy and I was just really confused and I just sat in the chair and I think I stared at the floor for a really long time and he's just looking at me smiling <laughs> and I was just like what is he so happy about and I was just confused I said you know I know we were going to talk about something and I know we had a meeting and I had things I wanted to say to you but I said I don't remember what they are or were and um, he was like it's all right just take your time and so I just kept staring at the floor and I was thinking well what am I going to do here so in this crucial moment I thought to myself I have a choice of one or two things I can make an excuse and ask him if we could reschedule or I could really be vulnerable to him right now and tell him what's going on and I looked at his face and his smiling and I thought all right I'm going to trust him And so I said to myself, I'm just going to tell him what exactly I'm feeling right now. So I said, okay, I don't know what that is out there, but I feel like I could stay there forever, like all day, forever. I could just stay out there. And then he just smiled even more and even chuckled, and he just said, welcome home, Bethany. And I I think those words hit me like a lightning bolt because – I I was so shocked. I just said, "Um, what did you say? And I stood up and uh, he said, I said, welcome home. And I stood up. I was like, right away, I thought, I have to go. And I told him, I have to, I have to go now. Um, And he was like, why? We could keep talking. And I was like, no, I really, I, I really have to go. And I ran to the door and I don't know if you've ever like really tried to leave a room and you, for whatever reason, God just won't let you open that door. (laughs) I was like turning, twisting, pulling, shaking. (laughs) I could not get that door open. And uh, father said, hold hold on a second. Am I going to see you Sunday? Are you coming back Sunday? And I said, yes. And he was like, okay. And he just like popped, the door just popped open. and, And then I said, okay, bye. And I had to go. I had to go sit in my car. I had to just go and process what had happened. And the reason those words hit me like a lightning bolt is because I suddenly remembered that when I was a little girl, we would go to church. Everybody went to Sunday school, but 
I really longed to be in the church when it was empty. So when I knew everyone was in Sunday school and Bible study, I would ask to use the bathroom, but I would just go and sit in the empty church. And I would sit there and I would say, God, they tell me this is your house. So if this is really your house, then give me a sign. And I would look at the stained glass windows and I would just wait for a sign. And I did that all the time for years, even up to the time I was a teenager. But then after my dad died and I left my faith and my church, I forgot. I just forgot. But that moment, Jesus reminded me that he heard me. It was my I saw you under the fig tree moment. And he said, I heard you. I heard your words. And here I'm telling you this is home. And so I had to really think about it for a long time. I really had to process. But what happened is I would go to church every chance I got. I would go in the morning before work and I would wait to see the the gold thing on the altar. And then I would go after work and I would go, oh, it's not there, it's not there. Then I would go and then finally, if I had just asked somebody, they could have told me it's every Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, when you were going, did, did you know did you have any idea that it was Jesus or, or I mean, did you, had you heard anything about the Eucharist or? Um... I didn't really put two and two together. It, okay. it took a while. I just knew that I wanted to be there and that's with such, that. When you say that, it's, that's what adoration is. It's, it's like a glimpse of heaven. Mm-hmm. Like I could stay here forever. Yeah. And just, yeah, what a beautiful image that is. Um, so from that moment, um, how how did your faith continue to grow? So perhaps, you know, you had heard about the Eucharist. Maybe this is the Eucharist up there in the gold thing. Um, uh, but, but what happened from then? So I ended up having a standing appointment with Father like every week. He would just meet with me because I just became a sponge. Like I just, just tell me everything. And so because... I don't even remember all the things that he taught me in that time because it was just coming at me like a rush, but I just couldn't get enough. Every book he gave me, I was reading, and I was like, I want more, I want more, I want more. So he just kept, I imagine him just like throwing books at me as he passed me because I was just reading them and absorbing. And I would go, and then I finally figured out that this was adoration, that this was Jesus. And then when I found out that it, you know, it was every week, I would just sit there. And I just, I didn't do anything else except work. I think I was going to school too. I I would just go to church and sit. And then when it was time to go to work, I would go to work. But then after work, I would just go to church and sit. And just uh, my, my mentality was just teach me, Lord, this is what I've always wanted was to be here with you. So just, just tell me everything you want me to know. And so RCIA became a different process for me. Um, my sponsor was really kind. Like he would wait for me in the back of the church if I was late. <laughs> and if I didn't get to, if I was late, I didn't want to sit up from front and be obvious. So then he would wait for me in the back of church and sit with me in the back of the church. And um, I started going out to breakfast with people and, and hearing other people's faith stories. I, I think at one point father said, you know, I think I've 
giving you everything I got. So there's this group of women that I know that they're going to the seminary. They're going to take classes at the seminary. Do you want to join them? I'll give you their number. So every week, a bunch of ladies would just pile into a car and come here to the <laughs> seminary, and we just would learn. And when they asked me what I I didn't declare a major. I said, I, I just need to learn. So I'm just here to learn. So um, so I studied and studied and studied. I remember not even watching TV, like not nothing, no social media. I just, I wanted to learn everything I could. So I would be at the, the library here late night. And then my big, big exciting thing was I wanted to learn the Catholic side of the Lutheran story. I wanted to read, so I read everything I could in this library on Martin Luther. And um, just, I just felt like um, I had so much to, to learn. I think that the biggest thing that I take away from my experience, which I never talked about for years, I didn't know that anyone would be interested in hearing my story, is that when you have those doubts, those questions, those concerns, uh, worries, um, troubles, if you just go before the Lord, especially in the Eucharist, just just bring them there and just say, I don't, I don't understand, or I don't know why this had to happen, and and just wait because there's not a doubt in my mind that Jesus is present in the Eucharist. But so if anybody ever asks me, I don't have a doubt. So if you're if you're doubting it, then just go there and just see for yourself. The Eucharist role in your story is incredible and just the way that you um even kind of apart from full-on catechesis and understanding of the church's teachings you could recognize his presence i'm curious what was it like to receive the eucharist for the first time it was um i mean without getting into too many details i at the time i thought i had gluten intolerance because there was a lot of spiritual warfare that I know now what it is, but at the time, all oh, was a real struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Physical thing, all kinds of things were trying to prevent me from even just getting to church, mm-hmm. and especially getting to that day to receive communion. And then when I thought I had gluten intolerance, I was so disappointed because I thought, well, now I can't receive the one thing I've been waiting for, you know. Um, so they made arrangements to make sure that I could receive the precious blood. So then it became a sort of a tricky thing where I, if I went to a church that I was unfamiliar with, I didn't know if they would have the precious blood. They don't always offer it. And then, you know, long story short, I, I don't have gluten intolerance, but I just believe that that was all <laughs> just uh, just spiritual warfare. Yeah. Um, but the moment that I, f- I first received, I, I just remember the scrutinies were really tough for us. Some of us were talking about those weeks before receiving communion. There was just a lot of things thrown at us, a lot of difficulties. Um, That's precisely why those scrutinies are there. Yeah. To, because uh, as you mentioned, like there's a lot of spiritual warfare, especially the closer you get to <laughs> entering into the church, the devil's working overtime. And yes. so um, those prayers of uh, deliverance and having the community pray for you, um, yeah, is precisely why mm-hmm. th- those uh, rites are there. Um, so continue, please. Oh, yeah, I, I would never want anyone to be frightened of that because um, I guess even if things get frightening, I always have the confidence that 
the Lord is with me. I have my guardian angel with me and that nothing's going to happen that isn't supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, the moment that I first got to receive communion was, it was just like this, like this final, uh, relief you know um, my my first confession was really difficult because I you know was a young person uh, you know not living a very godly life and I had to make my list and you know um, I was really nervous I remember all of us were very nervous and my priest friend had such a long line outside of his confessional and he really wanted me to go to confession with him but I I couldn't because I just couldn't wait I was afraid of running out of the door you know so I went to a different priest for confession and I remember I read front and back my whole list and he just looked at me and said that's it that's it and I was like oh yeah that's that's everything I I was expecting him to be shocked and (laughs) fall over out of his chair but uh but yeah that um all of that was uh uh, there's no greater feeling than when the priest absolves you of your mm-hmm. sins. Even to this day, there's just this light in your step, and <laughs> it's I just lo- love that moment. What is your devotion uh, like to the Eucharist today, or when when you approach you know the priest in in the communion line? What what's going through your heart, your mind? I'm always again looking. At the crucifix, um, I'm just imagining how he did that for me. Um, I, f- I feel like that's that one private moment where when I'm about to receive the Lord that I'm thinking about how much he thought of me when he was on the cross. And uh, I just, it's just this moment between me and the Lord. And I mean, I, I used to spend every day an hour before the Eucharist. Um, then when we started having children and, uh, you know, that became a little more tricky, I was spending every week. Anytime I have a decision to make or, you know, um, Father wants to ask me to do something else and, you know, <laughs> okay, today I want you to teach marriage preparation and learn how to do it, I just go before the Lord and say, all right, uh, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You have to give me all this information because I don't have it. So that's just where I go. Yeah. If I'm troubled by anything, that's where I go. And we try to teach the kids the same thing. Like, if you have doubts or questions, that's just where you go. Just bring it there. Mm-hmm. What a journey it's been from being called into Father's office and, <laughs> and wanting to walk away. or Yes, um, wanting to run. <laughs> yeah. And then how, how the Lord just worked in your life mm-hmm. to, to bring you to a place of just being just an incredible witness of faith. Um, and also... A witness to the gospel, mm-hmm. the way in which you you are able to share now what you've experienced, what what you've seen and heard, you know, as, as the scriptures say. Uh, so so thanks so much for that. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. We're so glad to have you, and we're honored that you would share this testimony with us. Oh, thank you. And thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hallow App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.